Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Men's retreat was awesome. Now, Tim Johnson, he's, he played for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Washington Redskins, and he talked Thursday night uh, with all of us men there, and he talked about um, the title of his message was Fatherless No More. Fatherless No More. And it was just a powerful sermon, uh, really ministered to a lot of men in our church. And I'm going to try to make that available for all, all the men in our church and see if we can get that to you because it was that impactful. And I just want to encourage you that, that every time we do an event like this, it, it's really helpful to your maturation in Christ and your spiritual formation. And Not that you can make everyone, but we would encourage you to try to make um, these events and these moments. Um, it's really how families are built. It's like here in the air in September 8th, come on, we got our five-year anniversary, and it's going to be amazing, and, and we're having a banquet that night, and I'm just going to invite all y'all to come to that banquet and sign up at Luminous Church, the events, and, and it's going to be a moment that helps mark us, helps mark us as a church, so I encourage you to attend that. It's going to be awesome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. That's where we'll be this morning, Matthew chapter 24. We're in a series called At the Movies. This is, concludes our series, and it was only fitting that we would show Avengers Endgame today, and we would talk about the Endgame to bring the finale in. And I'm just going to let you know there's some spoiler alerts. And if you haven't seen the movie, how many of you have seen that movie? How many seen that movie in here? Okay, a lot of us, almost all of us. If you haven't, you probably don't want to because, uh, because you, you, you probably don't want to do it. And so, so you won't care if we spoil it a little bit. But there will be a spoiler alert, and I do apologize. But, man, we, we've really done, um, tried to do a very intentional, great job of decorating our stage. The worship team was wearing their Avengers shirts, all the ladies. That was awesome. We have two ladies. All right, all the ladies. That was your moment. That was your moment. I, I was going to wear my Avengers shirt, but it was a little too tight this morning. So I wore the baggiest clothes possible. I was like, I'm just going to overcompensate, wear baggy. <clears throat> Man, this, uh, this, this movie is uh, what, what I think illustrates a very important point to us. And, uh, and as we're looking at movies and we're looking at stories, we realize that the, the, this movie is not gospel. And, and the stories that we read are not gospel, but the gospel is the word of God. And, and this is the gospel and this is the truth. But we look at stories and there could be some parallels to the ultimate truth, to, to what we believe is absolute truth. And, and there could be some parallels for our life. And we want to look at those. And I encourage you to do that in everyday life, that you would look around and look at the story of your life and seeing how the gospel is penetrating and, and moments that he's speaking and, and that the gospel can, can be very relevant to your current situation. And it has an answer for whatever you're going through. I want to let you know that Jesus has an answer 
For every situation that you're going through, everything that you're going through, Jesus can speak to. And we really believe that as a church. We believe that he is definitely relevant because he's timeless. And when you're timeless like God, you can come into time and speak into that situation. So this moment of Avengers Endgame, I'm going to set up this first clip. I remember going to this, to this movie with great anticipation, great excitement, just saw Infinity War, and uh, I was super excited about the Endgame. Been watching Avengers for the last 10 years of my life, the last decade. Uh, some, of you, some of you, half of your life you've been watching that. Some college students in here, you've been watching that half your life. It, 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 it has really shaped you and, and a lot of maybe how you think about the world. And, and it's very, it's an amazing movie. So it's kind of sad that it's about to end. And, and that was the finale of it. And in this moment, when you sit in the, the, the movie theater, it has this opening scene that leaves us in a place of tension. And a place of tension because, you see, Thanos, um, he ended up getting the Infinity Stones and he ends up wiping half of humanity and half of all, all, all life. He wipes out half of all life. And in this moment, we start feeling the tension. So check out this first clip. Hold on, don't shoot. You see what you're doing? Mm hmm. Okay. Now let's worry about how you get there. Gonna move your foot here. Point it down this one. Yips. Here. Okay. Can you see? Yeah. You sure? Mm hmm. How about now? You see now? No. How about now? <laughs> All right. Ready? Three fingers. Nice. Oh, kiddo. You go. Hey, you guys want mayo or mustard or both? What's mayo and a hot dog? Oh, your brothers. Uh, two mustard, please. Thanks, Mama. Got it. Nate, mayo or mustard? How about ketchup? Or ketchup. I got ketchup, too. Mind your elbow. <laughs> Good job, Hawkeye. Put your arrow. Okay, sorry. That may bring you back to some moments of actually when you first watched it, right? You watched this moment where he is a family man and he has these kids. It, it, it's these heartstrings in the first minute of a movie that, that really, in 10 years, built into that moment where he's 
talking to his daughter and teaching her archery, the very thing that he loves, this connection, and she hits a bullseye, making a father very proud in this moment of connecting over sandwiches and condiments, and, and, and it's just an amazing moment, and then, boom, they're gone. They're gone because in the movie, you may remember that Thanos snaps his fingers as he has these infinity stones and he collected all the stones, giving him the power of life and death. And in that moment, he snaps his fingers and they vanish. And you, all of us were like, oh, my goodness, what if that happened? What if that really happened and it was almost you were in the movie and you were captivated by attention and and Jesus is no stranger to tension. I want to let you know that right now. Jesus talks about a similar tension in Matthew chapter 24. Let's read verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be in the grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This verse hits. You know, it, it, it like punches you in the mouth. You, you read this verse, you're like, what am I doing at church today? <laughs> Why are we reading this verse? And I promise if you just stay with us to the end, I, I think it's going to be hopeful for you. But in this moment, we read about how Jesus is talking about the same tension of the fact that there will be one that stays and then one that goes. And, and there will be the one who believes in Jesus and one who does not believe in Jesus. There's, there's these moments that happen and he causes and creates this tension that's inside of us. And, and I want to just let you know right now to live in that tension is a good thing. It's a good thing. The fact that Jesus said that there was something to be had that we really need to dwell upon. As we study eschatology in church, the, the study of the end times, we've had basically three theological viewpoints on the end times as we read about Revelation. We 
We read about premillennial, the, the whole idea that, that nothing's going to bad, really bad's going to happen to the Christians and, and we'll be raptured out and it's going to be awesome. Anybody heard about the rapture, you know, left behind? You've seen that movie. It, it, was, this, it was this concept that, that before, before God's judgment on earth, that we would be taken up. And that was really good thing and it became a really big thing in in the 70s and 80s. And not many people retired, you know, put money in their retirement. They were just like, Jesus is going to rapture us out. Right. And it was good. And at the same time, there was an urgency in the 70s and 80s and really 90s before before more postmillennialism came about where there was this urgency that i had to tell somebody what jesus has done for them because i don't want them to be left behind i don't want them to be left out i don't want them to be i don't want them to be gone and and then there's this postmillennialism where it's the whole idea that the church is actually going to become uh, uh, more sanctified and more unified. And it's, it's going to grow. And as Jesus has had victory on the cross, we're going to see the church move into this world. And the body will become this spotless lamb here on earth. And then Christ will return. And then there's amillennialism where you just think essentially that, that all of Revelation is allegorical. Where, you know, it's like there's no literal millennial. And I don't know where you stand today, and I'm not trying to position us in a stance as a church in this eschatological mindset or view. But what I'm saying, the, the thing that we see here and the thing that we see in Avengers is there's an urgency when you're about to lose half of humanity. There's an urgency inside of us when we realize that half of humanity is gone by a snap of a finger. And, and there, was, uh, there was this moment in time in the church, and there's, there's been waves as you study church history in the church where the urgency seems like it, it's larger, where, where it was time to assemble Avengers. It was time to assemble church, to start sharing the gospel with, with people because there's souls at stake. There was that urgency. And we look around today at the church in it, it, it seems as though the urgency is not what it once was. And, and that's not to, I'm not pointing fingers or anybody's fault, but I, I wonder if it's because maybe we've shied away from a Matthew 24 chapter. We've shied away from some of the urgency that Jesus spoke about and, and the idea that, that he, he spoke that we, we, there's this there's this moment where we need to start reaching and preaching and teaching and equipping and going out of our comfort zone. There's this moment that has to happen, but that moment doesn't happen without Jesus. Without Jesus. Jesus has to be the source of that, and the gospel has to be the source of that. And in Avengers, we, we see that Thanos has wiped away everybody with these infinity stones. So the, the Avengers have decided to collect all the stones together, and they were going to make their own uh, um, sleeve or glove. And, and I don't know what that thing's called, but, you know, iron fist or something. And they're going to put the stones on there, and they're going to snap the fingers, and they're going to change 
history. They're going to change in this moment. And so there's a race, and they, they feel, figure out how to make a time machine in 30 seconds in the film. It's incredible. Like, you know, Tony Stark is a genius, and he can do stuff like that. And so they make a time machine, and go back, start collecting stones, and they do all this, and there's this, there's this battle that's raging because they knew what was at stake. They knew what was at stake in this moment, and, and out of all the possibilities and all, all the possible situations and outcomes, they, they find out that it was going to be really challenging in order to be victorious over Thanos. It was going to be challenging to collect all these stones and Dr. Strange, Strange, talks about the challenge that they're presented with. Check it out. All right, just get over here, please. Mr. Lord, can you get your folks to circle up? Mr. Lord, Star-Lord is fine. We gotta coalesce, because if all we come at him with is a plucky attitude- Dude, don't call us plucky. We don't know what it means. All right, we're optimistic, yes. I like your plan, except it sucks, so let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Tell him about the dance-off to save the universe. What dance-off? It's not a, it's not a, it's not I can Footloose the movie. Exactly like Footloose. Is it still the greatest movie in history? It never was. Don't encourage this, all right? Okay. We're getting no help from Flash Gordon here. Flash Gordon? By the way, that's a compliment. Don't forget, I'm half human, so that 50% of me that's stupid, that's 100% you. Your math is blowing my mind. Excuse me? But does your friend often do that? Strange. We all right? Be back here. Hey, what was that? Went forward in time to view alternate futures to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? 14,605. How many did we win? One. All the possible outcomes in order to save humanity, in order to bring all these people who were lost and have them be found, 14,605,000 possibilities and only one outcome, one outcome. And the reason we will spoil this movie is because it's the gospel all over this movie. You see, there was all these possibilities in order for humanity to have hope. You see, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and they, they decided what was best and, and they were cast out of the garden because of their sin, because they disobeyed God, because any kind of disobedience keeps you from the presence of God, they were cast out. And in that moment, over, over the first half of the Bible, we see that there, there's all these laws put in place and there's all these different standards taking place and maybe if you just cleaned yourself up a little bit maybe if you sacrifice something maybe if you would just obey certain laws and and that type of thing then that may be a possibility where you would have some hope 
where you would have a, a new life where, where the outcome would not be death but be life. But of all the possibilities written in the Bible and all the possibilities, there was only one possibility. There was only one way that hope could be restored to you and me. There was only one way that life could be restored to you and me. And that life is Jesus. The only outcome was for Jesus, the Son of God, born of a virgin, born of God's seed, not our seed, faultless in every way, blameless in every way. There could be no legitimate accusation against him. He had to go and he had to take you and mine's place. He had to take the burden of our sin and the weight of our sin upon his shoulders. He had to bear that upon the cross. He was the only outcome. He is the only outcome. And Jesus was in a moment in the garden where he said in Matthew 26, 39, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And in this moment, as the weight of the world was on his shoulders, so much so that it caused him to sweat blood, he asked that the Lord would just take the burden off of him. But actually, God could not do that. He had to place the burden upon him. And Jesus wasn't asking for another way necessarily. He was just asking, it's so painful, and I'm crying out to you because the burden is so painful. The sin of this world is so painful and in this last clip we see this moment where where these stones are gathered and Thanos has these stones and he has this this glove or whatever it is and and he's about to snap his fingers and the Avengers are keeping him from doing that because not just this time was he going to erase half of humanity. He was going to erase all of humanity. Just like in the garden when, when sin entered the world, all sinned. Not just half of you sinned, but all fell short of the glory of God. And in this moment, they're keeping him from doing that. Please don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And so they're coming and they're wrestling with him. Take a look at this last scene. She's got help.
John 15, 13, greater love has none, no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Death produced life. In this moment, Iron Man gets the stones and he takes them from Thanos in, in, a, in a stony, dark Iron Man way, like Jiffy. And he grabs these stones and he grabs them and he says, I am Iron Man. He snaps and he, he changes and he gives hope to all those who are lost. He gives hope to the hopeless. And in Revelation 1, 17 through 18, it, it reminds us of this moment, this moment when, when, when there was death in one person's court. There was, there was in essence, these keys that, that one person had to, to Hades and, and death and destruction. And, and in Revelation 1, 17, 17, John talks about this. He says, when, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. In this moment, Jesus is talking about how when he died upon the cross, when he snapped his fingers, he, he actually grabbed the keys of death in Hades, which was hopelessness and, and, and destruction. And, and there was no purpose given to us in that moment. And, and he took our place, this great exchange. And, and three days he was buried and, and, and he raised to life. And in that moment, he gave all of us hope. He gave all of us this moment that we can read about in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, that he gives us the victory. John 12 talks about that a seed has to go down, and it has to die before it can produce life. You see, you and I in this moment, we, we see the adventures and there's breakdown in the analogy, but there's no breakdown in this analogy, in this truth. Jesus died, buried, raised to life so that you and I can have life. He loves you 3,000. He loves you 3,000. And he would do it again and again. But he only needed to do it one time. You see, he was the solution for our sin and our hopelessness and, and, and our purposelessness. And, and we were in this place where we now are changed and forever changed. And, and, and it was this moment, and all of us are sad after 10 years of watching this movie, that Iron Man is dead. And if I were to title this sermon, I would title it Death to Iron Man. 
Thank you. Death to Iron Man, thank you. Here's the reason, because if he didn't die, the Avengers wouldn't have lived. If he didn't die, the Avengers wouldn't have been able to assemble. If he didn't die, the Avengers would be hopeless and would be without mission. The reason Jesus came and he died is he came to bring those who are hopeless, he came to give them life. And life more abundantly, or, or let me say it this way, life with purpose. Life with purpose. He came so that you and I could have a purpose here on earth and a purpose to love God with our heart, mind, and soul, which was before impossible, but now plausible. And to love others as ourselves, which was impossible, but now obtainable. You see, Jesus' death and his resurrection not just gave us life for those who believe, but gave us a mission. The mission is articulated in Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there was 11 at the time with him because one actually hung himself because he had the shame of betraying his friend, the Savior. And and so there was 11. He gave this mission to them. And this mission did not stop with 11, but has been given to his church. To you and me as well, to go and make disciples of all nations. But there's always a problem when it comes with mission. It requires us to get past our comfort. It requires us to to never watch Avengers Endgame, but just watch all the other ones. Because I don't want to see Tony die. Right, like we're comfortable there, and, and a lot of us are comfortable where we are. We're comfortable in our circles. We're comfortable maybe in our friendships. We're comfortable uh, with our time. We're comfortable with our, with our talents. We're, we're comfortable with our treasures. But God has called you to release those times and talents and treasures so that you can be a part of his mission. And as you release, you find purpose. You find purpose in the mission. You find purpose as you live on mission. In Acts 1, when Jesus was there, he, he, was, he was in this moment where, where he was about to ascend, right? He, he gave them a mission, and, and now he's hanging out with them after his ascension on earth. And they're having a good time. They're, you know, cooking fish on the beach. And, you know, he watched them walk through walls, which is pretty cool. And, like, Jesus, this is awesome. And, and Jesus is in this moment in, in verse 7. Let me read it. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Remember Matthew 24. You don't know the season, the times, or dates. You won't know the times or dates. But you will receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. This was a good moment for us because we remember that salvation moment where we, Jesus encountered us. And now we look into the sky and like, man, I remember this moment. I'm not leaving this moment. This is our moment. I'm right here. And some of us have these experiences where we look into the sky when Jesus did something. We're like, let's build a church right here. We're going to build a church right here. We're all going to come to this church in these walls because this is where Jesus ascended. It was right here where he ascended. This is where we're going to stay. But there was two men, two men. Everybody say two men. 
There's two men right next to them. Right next to them, and they said this. They were dressed in white, these perhaps angelic beings. And they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Why do you stand there and look in the sky? Quit standing here looking in the sky, but start living on mission. Start living on purpose. Do you realize what he just said? Go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Do you realize you have to go tell this message that this Jesus who ascended is now going to descend. And you need to tell people, hey, Jesus is going to descend and he's coming back for his very own. And guess what? You have the opportunity today to be his very own by just placing your faith and trust in him. And he will make all things new. This is who he is. This is what he wants to do in our life. And he's called us to mission. And in Acts chapter 2, we read about, we read about this as we begin to close. Because we're just going to preach all day. Hallelujah. Let somebody do this. But Acts 2. Acts 2, we see this moment where the disciples are there. And the Holy Spirit falls as Jesus promises. And he fills not just the 11 disciples, but starts filling thousands of people and 3,000 are added to his church that day and, and they decided it's time to live on mission in Acts 2.42. The mission and vision was to meet together, to listen to the apostles teaching, to break bread together, to pray together, to, to take care of each other's needs. But don't get comfortable just in one group because guess what? I'm going to send you out to other people I'm going to send you out. Don't be comfortable with just in one friend circle because I'm going to send you out to your coworkers and your neighbors. Don't be comfortable with just going with your friend who works at a different place to eat lunch. Like you realize like God wants you to reach the people you actually work with. Don't be comfortable because you need to go on mission. There's people for you to reach, people for you to share the gospel with. People are hopeless. See, the reality of this film is the fingers were snapped and everything was changed. Everybody was brought to life. But the reality is this, is there's people who are not brought to life yet. There are people who are vanished. Dead men walking. And it's our opportunity and a privilege for us to share the gospel with them and invite them into relationship so that they may know this Jesus so they may no longer be dead but have life and a life with a purpose see what I love about Alexis she got baptized today and she went through a growth track and she's living on mission already because she believes that she wants to see Jesus make a difference in and through her life and she knows that she if she goes and loves kids on a Sunday morning that Jesus is going to move in her life she's going to grow because she's going to have to know some scripture, but through her life, because what she begins to learn and know, Jesus is going to use in others. And I want to tell you something that Jesus wants to do that in your life as well. He wants to move in and through your life, in and through your life. That's what he wants to do. And so, so go to the grow track next, next Sunday, 11 o'clock. Find out how Jesus created you, what he wants from you. And how to live on mission. And then secondly, some of us need to go start going house to house and start breaking bread together and do what Acts actually talked about. Hear the apostles teaching. Worship together. Pray. Eat together. 
grow together, and then grab more to come. And so if you want to lead a group, or you've been thinking about leading a group at Luminous Church, you believe in Jesus, you've gone through a growth check, and maybe you're in the process, we will invite you to come tomorrow night at 6.30 at our church, where, where if you want to lead a group, wherever you are, wherever you live, whether it's at your workplace or it's in your neighborhood, come tomorrow night at 6.30. Two practical ways to live on mission. If you wouldn't mind standing with me this morning. I want to pray for you real quickly before we leave. If you wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes, I just have to ask two questions. I want to apologize if you're a guest with us this morning. We're normally out 1210. We're quite a bit over that. Thank you for celebrating with lives that were changed through baptism. But I, I do want to say this. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, you want to make him the Lord of your life. You want to trust him for salvation, that he's going to save you. And I just would ask, I just want to invite you right now. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? I want that. I want that. I want, I want to start living for him. Thank you so much for taking the boldness to do that. You may put your hand down. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. The second person is this person. You haven't been living on mission? You haven't been living on mission? I want to just encourage you. And I want to challenge you. God, God wants to do something in your life and through your life. Jesus wants to do something in you and through you. And if you haven't been doing that, but you want to do that, would you raise your hand today so I can pray for you as well? I want to I wanna do that. I want to I be included in his purpose. You may place your hand down. I'm going to pray for both of you this morning. Father, I just thank you, Jesus, for those who raise their hand that they want salvation and they're coming to faith in Christ today. Lord, I just thank you, God. Lord, that it's their ability to turn away from their old self, to repent and to confess you as Lord. Jesus, I pray that you would do that in their life. And God, for those want to be included in the mission of the church and they've been sitting on the sidelines holy spirit give them the ability to step this week to step in that action step that you placed on their heart in jesus name